welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Our chapter today, Isaiah 59, really gives you the whole picture of what's going on. Um, So well spoken of not just the book of Isaiah's themes of judgment from the Lord and salvation from the Lord, but also really truly the, the whole narrative of creation fits that theme. That God created, we turned our backs on him, we sinned against him, we constantly stood in rebellion. And yet God saw that, and his response to it was to send a Savior. So Isaiah 59 does a good job of bringing all of that together for you today. Behold, Yahweh's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly, no one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas, they speak lies, they conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. They hatch adder's eggs, they weave the spider's web. He who eats their eggs dies, and from one that is crushed a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing, men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity, and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways, the way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none for salvation. But it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgressing and denying Yahweh and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Yahweh saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of Yahweh from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of Yahweh drives. 
and a Redeemer will come to Zion. To those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares Yahweh. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says Yahweh. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says Yahweh, from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. So again, the, the common theme through this is going to be that, that idea of God's judgment and salvation of his people. So we begin with something we've seen in the book already before, this idea that God's hand is not shortened. Uh, you think of if there was an accident and you lost, maybe you lost all the fingers on your hand. Your hand would not be able to do most of the things that it currently can do. And that's the phrase here. God's hand has not been shortened. It is not injured. It is not withered. It is not crippled in some way, shape, or form. It can act. It can bring about salvation. And that's going to bring to the end of the chapter where we see that it will bring about salvation. His ear is not dull. He hears the prayers of his people. Verse 2, though, is one of the ways that we commonly define sin. This idea that sin is essentially a chasm between us and God. That God created us, he was walking with us in the garden, and then we sinned against him. And that created this, this giant void of emptiness, of separation between us and God. This also then becomes one of the ways that hell gets described. Is that hell is the absence of of God, the separation from God for the rest of forever. And if God is the source of all things good, then with him absent from hell, it means there is nothing good in hell. Your sins, because of your sins, because of our sins, God's face is hidden from us so that he does not hear. If that's the way it is, would God ever hear us? We sin daily. We sin often. So the reference here is not simply sin itself that causes God to hide his face from us as his people. But it's the, the lack of repentance. It is the unwillingness to, to turn to the Lord and to trust in him. That is what, what leads to the Lord not hearing our prayers today. Verses 4, well, really, I guess it's 3 through 8, go on to really talk about some of the different kinds of sins that Israel was committing. So you can read through those uh, certainly together and talk about some things. It would be good as a family, even at this point, to confess your own sins to one another. And as the head of the household, as as the husband or the, the father, it would be good for you to speak of God's forgiveness, so the forgiveness of Christ on the cross to your family. Yes, as part of this little uh, devotional exercise, but often, not just as a devotional exercise, but regularly speak forgiveness into the family. It's an incredible gift, one of the best gifts that you can give to your family. Also, asking for forgiveness is a powerful tool as you raise your children in the faith. That doesn't mean that you should be confessing necessarily everything. There may be certain things that you don't want to speak to your children, and that's understandable. 
Um, there may come a time when you want to share those things and ask for their forgiveness. But where you have broken trust with your children, where you have harmed your children in some way, shape, or form, confess those things to them. Seek their forgiveness. Teach them to forgive. I want to cover verse 5 just a little bit because it's a, a metaphor and I want to make sure that it's helpful to, to see what it's talking about here. So adders, eggs, adders are a type of venomous snake. Uh, so the people are producing not good things, but they're producing harmful things. So they're producing, well, this actually kind of fits in with our culture's lingo today, the idea that we have things like toxic masculinity. Everything's toxic anymore, uh, a reference to something that's harmful. And whether or not you agree with those things, just the, the same concept is kind of here. The people are doing toxic things. They're doing things that are harmful to others rather than beneficial to others. That's the same with the spider's web. They're weaving traps for one another. Instead of seeking to help their brother, they're seeking to catch him in something that's harmful. So that one also has a cultural connection to today. Um, oh, what a wicked web we weave the idea of lies and having to continue to lie again and again and again is, is somewhat connected to that same metaphor, at least. Their webs will not serve as clothing. So the things that they are making, these webs, these, these eggs, whatever, they are not useful. So again, they're not helping their neighbor. They're harming their neighbor. This is what sin does. Verse 7. Their feet run to evil. They are swift to shed innocent blood. This is one our culture does very much so as well. Um, we can talk about abortion in this section, but there are other other conversations as well that, that fit into that. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The idea of a highway is a road that is frequently traveled. So desolation and destruction, terrible things but they're frequent things of their people. Their people revel in destroying. Verse nine brings us to the idea of all sorts of evil. Again, all the more, we've already been talking about it, talks of exile as well. Verse 10, we grope for the wall like the blind. So you can picture uh, a person who doesn't know where they are, trying to figure out where they are, trying to figure out how to get to where they need to go or find anything familiar. Jesus speaks in a similar way in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14. He says, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. That was Jesus speaking about the Pharisees at that point. The idea that they're false teachers and the ways of the Pharisees were harmful. Now, this could be an experiment, uh, an experiment, an activity uh, for your family devotion as well. Have your children close their eyes. Take them to a place that they're not as familiar with. So maybe this is going out. Maybe you go to a park or, a, or into the woods or even a store. Go somewhere not as familiar to them. Have them close their eyes, blindfold them if you want, if, if there's enough trust there, we think, in your family to do that. And then see how they do just trying to find their way around. And then you can flip the script on this and you can become the guide. 
as God is our guide, as God leads us, as God's word leads us, speak to your children, lead your children to where they need to go. Um, I think this can be called a trust walk. I've done it as part of a father-son retreat before. Uh, it tends to be a very helpful illustration and something that you can do together. No peeking, kids. Keep those eyes shut until your parents tell you it's okay. Verse 11, the summary at this point, verses 11 through 13, we hope for justice, there is none for salvation, but it is far from us. Why? We know our iniquities, transgressing and denying Yahweh, turning back from following our God. This is getting at what God said back in Genesis 6, right before the flood, that the hearts of men were nothing but evil all the time. This is true. It's our sinful nature. That we rebel against the, the Lord, the one who has created us. Verse 14, truth has stumbled in the public squares. Uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking. How true is that of our society today? If you're looking to the news, if you're looking to politics, truth is abundantly absent. There is a, a desolate wasteland for truth in this world today. And then, uh, verse 15, if he, if he who departs from evil makes himself a prey, so open to attack. We know this too. We see this today. If you oppose the world and its ways, our, our culture is changing. And the things that it loves, I mean, you can name them. You see them every day. You know the things happening in the world around us. I don't need to name them. You know them. What happens to you if you oppose those things? If you take a stand for the truth of God's word in the midst of your co-workers or your classmates, what happens to you? Public shame probably is the very least. Uh, losing your job, being suspended or kicked out of school. Those are possibilities. Even more than that, we're starting to see lawsuits. Prison time may not be far behind, brothers and sisters in Christ. It may not be far behind. Speak the truth of God. Stand firm. This is going to be verse 21. But stand firm. Do not let the word of Yahweh depart from your mouth. Verse 15 and 16, God mourns their sins and their abandonment of him, that there is no one who follows him, no one to intercede. And so he, he, he intercedes, he responds, he sends a savior. This is both Cyrus and Jesus, twofold prophecy again. Uh, the one who works immediately on behalf of Judah, but the one who truly works on behalf of God's people for all time. Verse 17 is going to point you to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, the armor of God, uh, that we are to put on the armor of God as we go out into our daily lives. And that armor is Jesus. 
Here's a couple of those pieces. Righteousness as a breastplate, helmet of salvation. The, the Redeemer, the Savior, the Holy One of Israel is going to dress for battle. He's going to be righteous. He's going to save his people. He is going to get vengeance. And he's going to do so zealously. Not timidly. But the Redeemer will save, and he will save swiftly and greatly. Crush those who harmed his people. The law and gospel in play here. Verse 19. They shall fear the name of Yahweh from the west. Fear also carries with it the idea of trust. You do not trust, sorry, you do not fear something in which you have no trust. That might be a weird statement, but think about it. You fear, oh, what is something, something random? You might fear bombs. Why do you fear bombs? Because you trust that they have explosive power. You trust that they can harm you, right? Fear carries with it an element of trust. It also carries with it the idea of existence. You don't fear the non-existent. 99.99% of people have no fear of aliens because we don't believe that they exist. There are, are a few who do, but different, different story. The fear of Yahweh shows that the world trusts that he is God. That's a powerful statement. His glory from the rising of the sun. That's an interesting statement in English because the, the immediate reference again is Cyrus. So Persia is an eastern nation. The sun rises in the east. But use the, the homophone here. His glory from the rising of the sun, S-O-N, as we think of Jesus. The glory of God is in the resurrection of Christ on Easter morning. And talk about one of the greatest events, the greatest event in the history of creation right there. 20, a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from their transgression, to those who repent. God has made a covenant with his people. And his word shall not depart from their mouth. Um, this is verse 21 is a reference to faith in the Lord that will go from generation to generation. So, again, good summary chapter. We see the sins of the people, including ourselves, and God intercedes. He sends a Savior.